Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. We have two guests today. So Misha Frankly and Chris Vardian is from NorCal Tour Company. And we're going to talk a little bit about their business. Uh, interesting aspect of the cannabis space, tourism, you know, one of the biggest industries in the world. And like all of these industries are getting impacted or developing a cannabis component. So we're going to hear about NorCal Tour, uh, understand how they got into it, what they're doing, who's using them. I think it's quite fascinating. And in my prep with them, they, they gave me some information, which I'm fascinated by. So I'm curious to have this conversation there in Northern California, sort of the epicenter of cannabis in the United States. So they're in the, the hot seat of it. And I'm curious to hear what their insights are. With that, Misha, Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Bruce. So why don't we chat a little bit about background and, you know, professionally, you know, like what were you doing before the cannabis tourism stuff took off for you? What was your professional background and, and what was your relationship with cannabis? And and let's understand kind of how it came together to form NorCal and, and the, the tourism business. Sure. That's always a fun question to go back into <laughs> yeah. history and like tell the founding story. So this is Misha. So we both actually come from San Francisco tourism background. We've both been tour guides in San Francisco mm-hmm. for, gosh, a combined more than a decade. 
And I mean, way back in our past, we come from a performance kind of a theater upbringing. So when we got into tourism, it was such a great fit. Yeah. And we were, we feel like, not to tutor on horns, but we're very good tour guides. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I mean, and, uh, you know, it, it's tough to build a business if you don't think you're one of the best, the best in it. Yeah, exactly. We were doing that for a while and eventually started getting our own bus driver's licenses and driving the uh, tour buses to wine country. And they're small little 13, 14 passenger buses, mm-hmm. but it's, you mean, and they're regulated, but we, it was, it's a great little job. Before I did this personally, I actually uh, was in the medical marijuana industry and I produced medical marijuana marijuana oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. I did that for about uh, before I got into tourism mm-hmm. so we we were doing that and then Chris actually came up with the idea why don't you tell the story yeah I basically approached Misha and said we should take the Napa Valley wine tour model you know day trips from San Francisco have lunch uh, day out with lunch included and get you back in time for dinner yeah we just took that exact model and applied it to cannabis and we bring people up to the Emerald Triangle swapped out alcohol with THC and and poof new business yeah, we visit farms, we visit dispensaries, indoor grows, outdoor grows, cloning, packaging, everything, the ins and outs of the culture and the industry and where it all started. Yeah, and I'm curious because it, it my kind of perception and, and most of the folks that I've spoken to that know kind of that uh, Humboldt County, Northern California world, you know, it, it's such a relationship based, you know, a little protected, you know, I know it's opening up, but, you know, traditionally it's been a fairly kind of closed community. How... I mean, I guess, how did that play out? How how have you kind of opened that up? Is that, has that been easy now? Did you have to really work to develop relationships? I mean, how how have you been able to kind of build the business in this relative to the partnerships and, and things that really require it to make it work? Yeah, it's very much the case. In those areas, you're either a stranger and anathema or your family. There's yeah. not a lot of in-between. Yeah. You know, it's been illegal for, for a number of years and, and people are reasonably insular. Mm-hmm. So we knew people. We've been connected to the cannabis industry. We've had friends in that and we're connected that way. And I think that's why even though there are definitely bigger tour companies and bigger players in the game, they can't get in there because they don't trust outsiders and for good reason. And we proved that, you know, I think they knew that we had their best interest in hearts. Oh, we're not there to exploit the industry. We're there to bring people together and show, you know, the positives of this industry. I mean, really what's more wholesome than farming? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's kind of the, the, the the root, not only of sort of the economy, but of really culture. (laughs) You go back millions of years, it's, you know, it's, it is it is a core part of how we sustain sustain ourselves in the world. So I, I get the I get the connection. So tell us a little bit about you know I can I can imagine how kind of coming up with the idea and it's clear that you've got a you know a thriving business now. I'm assuming that's not always been the case. <laughs> what have been some of the kind of the challenges and uh, things you didn't anticipate or maybe things you did but still had to overcome? I'm always curious what trials and tribulations companies have gone through to to get to where they are. Well, you notice we have the aptly generically named NorCal Tour Company. Yeah. We go under the Mendocino Experience Cannabis Tours. That's our brand. That's what the tour that we're that we're selling. But mm-hmm. we named the company the NorCal Tour Company because we were trying to avoid all of the issues that cannabis industry people have been dealing with, not being yeah. able to bank, things like that. And we assumed that it wouldn't touch us because we don't take a penny of cannabis money. We are paid yeah. by the tourists to take them on a tour. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. And yet we ran into the same things. We don't bank in the state of California. We had to find a bank up in Washington that we deal with online and pay a, a hefty monthly fee for the privilege. 
Really? And what was the, I mean, you, did you, I'm assuming you tried to bank in California. What was the reaction or how did, how did that play out? Did they discover this and, and close your accounts? What was the conversation like? That's what happened. Basically, <laughs> yeah. we, uh, we opened the company. We were banking with uh, oh, with a major business bank. And once we released our first press release that showed what we were doing, all of a sudden they called us and said, uh, uh, we, we can't bank with you. Yeah. And so they were gracious enough to give us a 90-day period to find somebody else. So yeah. that helped. They didn't, but it was, they didn't yeah, say, pick the, up your check at the front door. <laughs> right. All the things we thought we were able to avoid by not really being in the cannabis industry, it was not the case at all. Yeah. All the same restrictions that fall on cannabis companies fall on us as far as advertising and online things and mm. all that. We've had to figure out workarounds just like everybody else in the industry has. Yeah. yeah. Any insights in terms of the workarounds that you have been able to develop given the nature of the sort of service you provide and the customers that you're trying to get? You know, what's really fascinating is, I guess it's the marketing struggle that a lot of people have as since we're cannabis uh, adjacent, uh, we can't advertise using Google AdWords. We can't advertise on Facebook or or YouTube, even though we have a lovely commercial. And a great Facebook page as well. Instagram page. So a lot of our, oh yeah, I don't know. This is definitely something you should uh, have your listeners look up, especially if they're interested in, if they're visual people, most people are, is to go to our Instagram page, Mendo Experience. It's the same as the website, but it's, what is it, at at sign? Yeah, at Mendo Experience. I'll put it it in the show notes so people can click on it and and get through to it. Because visually, I think when I bring that up to people, people immediately get what we're doing because it's, we have like a year's amount of, uh, of photographs up there and we post every day. Yeah. Photos and video. But even, even with all that, that's, you know, these are kind of, uh, organic ways. These are social media yeah. ways of yeah. advertising. And so we have to get creative. And since we're in the tourist industry, we came from tourism. We're also like, we're, we're implementing signage, which we've never had before on a vehicle. And, uh, we have partnerships with big tour companies that want to carry our, uh, which kind of surprised us, but these big tour company did manage to partner with us and we'll be selling through their kiosk this season. Huh. So this is about to kind of become something, you know, last year was kind of our first operational year. We're about to start year two and we see big things afoot. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I guess tell us about the growth or tell us about, you know, how you see, you know, the business playing out. I mean, I know you mentioned in our kind of prep discussion, I guess the people that are actually coming to take the tours, I mean, uh, these are not sort of mom and pop and and four kids, you know, on their kind of, uh, you know, they, they go to Disney World and then they decide they're at Disneyland and they decide they're going to come up and, and do a cannabis tour. Who, who's coming to actually take the tours? Why are they coming? What are they learning from it? We have some of the people that are definitely vacationing tourists to come check it out. But mm-hmm. the bulk of our people so far seem to be people who are either in the industry or they are trying to get into the industry. Things are starting to become legal where they are, or they're already legal growers. On our very first tour, we had a grower come from Canada um, that they want to tap into the deep brain trust that's up in Mendocino. We're talking generations of knowledge, and and they're wanting to plug into it. There's also a lot of people coming, I've noticed, uh, who are who are coming from places that it's not legal. It's not even on on the horizon of being legal, at least from our point of view. Mm -hmm. But from their point of view, they think it's it's about to turn over in their country or in their state, and they want to be ahead of the curve when it comes to legalization. So they're coming here to Northern California where, well, we have a well-deserved reputation for growing some excellent, excellent cannabis. Yeah. And so people come here to literally see how us do that. And so. walk us through the tours. I mean, what are what are you actually highlighting? How does the experience work? You know, if, if we were to go on a tour, 
you know, what do we see? What do we do? What do we learn? Sure. So we pick up in in San Francisco at the Ferry Building and in Fisherman's Wharf, you know, mm-hmm. your typical tourist areas. We drive across the Golden Gate Bridge and it takes us about an hour and a half to two hours to get up to uh, the Emerald Triangle. Okay. And that's where sort of the meat of the informational tour happens. You know, we, we go over the history of cannabis usage in the world, how it became illegal in the United States, how it became illegal in the rest of the world, what the forces were that made Made that happen, mm-hmm. uh, how it became legal again, and that history. We talk about usage. We talk about, you know, if people are coming up to try cannabis for the first time, we we talk about what to expect. We make mm-hmm. sure that they're in a place where they're being driven, they're being taken care of, and all that. And mm-hmm. so we give the, the history and the usage and all that, um, and the culture of it. We talk about that on the drive up. Then we stop at probably the most beautiful cannabis dispensary on the planet. <laughs> the people can smoke out on the in this beautiful place. It's like smoking inside a French Impressionist painting. Wow. If you go on our Instagram, you can see photos. It's amazing. We take people to a, a lovely lunch at a at a bakery and cafe in uh, Ukiah as part of the you know it's covered in the tour. Mm-hmm. Originally, our plan was to do catered lunch in the Redwoods. And these guys were the best. They had the best catering. They, they seemed to have it together. So when we went to meet them, we walk into their, their place, which is also a bakery. We see this these rows of glass cases with the most brightly colored baked goods. And we're like, oh, oh we're taking them here. for yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even the sandwiches are phenomenal because they fresh bake the bread every morning. Yeah. And then we go to. And everyone just got baked. And everyone just got baked. Yeah, exactly. Bread. Exactly. It's um, the confluence of wonderful food. <laughs> <laughs> and then we take them in the spring. Right now it's the winter, so the outdoor grows are, are closed. The fields are fallow, but we take them to outdoor grows where they can learn about all three different methods of mm-hmm. sun growing, greenhouse growing where they use light assist and light deprivation, mm-hmm. hoop houses where they use light deprivation to grow three crops in a season instead of one. And they also have full term fields where they're plant in May and harvest in October. So they can see all three types of outdoor or sun growing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we go to the largest indoor grow in all of Mendocino County up at Emerald City Genetics, and they get to bend the ear of the master grower there. And I've seen people, like I said, that Canadian grower came on the first tip. He had his notepad out and taking notes, (laughs) copious notes. And they get, you know, they get to tap in and these guys are very passionate about what they do and they do it so well and they are happy to share their knowledge. And that's really great. It, it feels like we're bringing the world together, which is really exciting around, you know, cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, I, I you know, I, I see the, the business opportunity, kind of the profit opportunity, but, you know, I find that it, the vast majority of people in cannabis have are motivated or driven by, you know, more than just kind of financials. I guess what's your motivating drive here in terms of what you hope to achieve, impact you want to have on on cannabis, on the world in general? Like why do you do this? Like what's the what's the motivation? Well, I think that, you know, I was I was we were doing a, another podcast the other day and and we were talking afterwards about how there was a movement. The world was coming together in a lot of ways around peace and anti-war things in the 60s and the 70s. And then Nixon put in the drug war to kind of put the kibosh on that. And yeah. it split up people and it, and it didn't let, we have a natural community here that has been sort of separated 
for what, you know, 40, 50, you know, nearly 100 years now yeah. uh, since 36, especially since the 70s, since the war on drugs took place. And now that that's starting to break up, this community, this natural community is starting to form or reform that was being sort of kept apart. And so, you know, when you get people from disparate countries sitting together and smoking out and realizing their commonality and the separations don't become as yeah important as the similarities. And so besides the financial things, we're literally bringing the world together. Yeah. We've had people from all over the world coming, every every continent except Africa. I don't think we've had anyone from Africa yet, have we? But just about every continent on the planet, we've had guests come. And, so uh, can I add? Meeting can I add yeah, please. Like yeah. You asked, apart from the financials, is like what drives us. Yeah. And uh, I think the what to me, especially coming from a background in cannabis and in wine tours, is the incredible, obvious similarity that one can draw between wine and cannabis. The taste, the feel, the mm -hmm. the altered state, the, the ability to be an adult about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so what seemed obvious to Chris and myself was that this was an industry that was going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. This isn't a, an idea that people are like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Everyone that hears this goes, duh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, that's such a great idea. You're like, yeah, duh, right? So yeah. when you get to those duh ideas, that's like, well, somebody's going to do it. And we're kind of well positioned to be those guys. And so, you know, it's it's kind of fun to start an industry that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the connection to wine, I mean, I, I, I'm always fascinated by the similarities in terms of, you know, the focus on the cultivation side and the terroir and the subtleties of, you know, sort of the subtle subtleties and complexity of, you know, the profiles and, you know, in, in cannabis, we have the terpenes and everything. I mean, it's it's such a, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a product that is ripe for dynamics and sophistication and complexity and, and almost a poetic, you know, kind of connection to you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the, I'm going to forget the name of the um, Sideways. What was the, the movie about uh, yeah. going up? You know, I'm oh, waiting yeah. for the, the cannabis version of Sideways. You know, <laughs> it's like it becomes the scene for these plots and these romantic things. Like there is, it's just, there's Dude, a lot you, of interesting comments. Somebody listening coming. to this podcast is now right. You're like, oh, that's I want 10%. There's no way I'm smoking sour diesel. Exactly. And the fact that it happens to be in the same part of the country and, you know, so kind of connected, like I'm, I'm quite fascinated. I mean, I, if you fast forward, say five years what do you i mean what do you envision you know for the company or for the industry or, or for that kind of you know cannabis tourism how do you see this playing out i'm curious where you see the market going or where this this industry going i've had a new insight about that the other day actually what seems to be the case is that while we have kind of come into this industry from the direction of cannabis tourism as viable means generating income. What seems to be very available is the connections that come with having a company like this that brings people to the door, that these dispensaries and basically the industry in general is starting to see that we grab eyeballs and yeah. we're consistent. And so what's available to you know these companies is, is when they work with us, they'd have the ability to kind of really extend their brand and grow by bringing people to them in a way that, you know, cannabis just hasn't done because we've been under 100 years of prohibition. So this is a completely new direction. A lot of growers, when we first started this, were like, 
yeah, that's a good idea, but no one wants to bring you onto their land. I mean, it's their land that they've been guarding from the yeah. feds and all the people that want to rip them off for, you know, many, many decades. Yeah. So for people, you're a forward-thinking farmer if you're like, yes, come over. Bring the world to my doorstep right now. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm curious. I mean, there, there's so much, obviously, political and social history with cannabis, racial justice, social justice. Uh, I mean, I think the wine analogy is has a lot of similarities, but there's also kind of this element or potential element. You know, wine can be, you know, a little classist or a little kind of, you have to have a lot of money to afford really expensive wine and it becomes kind of snooty. You know, I'm curious on the cannabis side, you know, like how, I guess, how do you see that kind of dynamic playing out or, you know, kind of the, the social access, social implications of it playing out. And um, yeah, I guess, how do you see that return? Hold on, I'll, I'll turn over Chris for a second. The fact that we think wine is snooty, and yet we're charging $20, $30 for a bottle for wine, and yet we're charging with taxes, you know, $50, $60, mm-hmm. $70 yeah. for an eighth in the clubs. And we're like, oh, it's so, it's so no, undistinguished mm-hmm. when we're spending way more money on cannabis than we are on wine. Yeah, I mean, definitely wine is an aspirational thing. You know, people that go on wine tours sometimes are trying to connect to something. You know, there there is that perception. But remember, at one time in the 20s, it was the grape growers who were the illegal growers. They were hiding the venting operations yeah. the, the way that people are hiding their growing operations a few years back. Yeah, so true. there are a lot of parallels. And I think five years from now, it's going to be a totally different world. I mean, we're we're trying to erase 100 years of stigma. Yeah. But going back before that, there's thousands of years of commonality and common usage all around the world. You know, it's been in human usage probably, 10, years. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. we we 5,000 years in recorded history. It was first in the Chinese pharmacopoeia 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so 100 years is a lot of stigma to erase, but it goes back so much deeper into the human reality and the human condition experience. that, you know, the human experience that we will we'll get past it. But I think five years from now, you'll see a lot less stigma. And I think it's going to be a completely different world. I also think 10 years from now, it'll be a completely different world than five years from now. We're sort of in the infancy of this industry and we're watching things play out and we're watching rules change and we're seeing the way that they're they're changing things, say, like up in Mendocino, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, we, we're privy to these meetings where the you have the city council and the and the Cannabis Growers Association getting together and discussing what they want the future to be. And you hear ideas about people like, you know, some farmers up there, it was part of the back to the land movement, you know, these generational growers, they weren't just growing weed, they were growing their tomatoes, they were growing their vegetables. Yeah. And a lot of them go to farmers markets and they're like, we want to have our weed next to our tomatoes at the farmers market. You know, so I think the whole landscape is going to change dramatically and how it's going to change. I have no idea because it's dynamic. It's fast changing. I don't think we're going to recognize the world in five years. And I think five years from then, we won't recognize it, the change that happened in the next five years either. Yeah. And where do you see your business in a couple of years? I mean, I, I, you know, you're, you're poised for growth opportunity. You have big ambitions. Are you, you know, hoping to, to really scale this thing up? What are the challenges? What are the choices that, that you see kind of coming at you in terms of the future of the business? Well, you know, what's going on is we're not the, we may be innovators, but uh-huh. we're not the only ones, yeah. right? So we have uh, people who are kind of our competition in the market, yet no one kind of does what we do. Good, yeah. Our, is we, we're coming at it from a different direction. So a lot of our competition comes from the cannabis space, uh-huh. and we come from the tourism space. And so we're the only ones that kind of have figured out this component of actually going up to the Emerald Triangle on a regular basis 
and selling tickets on a vehicle that's going to do this just like a wine tour. They kind of are working on it from kind of San Francisco, East Bay perspective. And it's hard to kind of get people out of the Bay Area. There's, there's problems. Yeah. So since we've mastered something in a way and they themselves have come from a direction that we don't know, we find that probably in the future we're going to. We're going to be part of a machine that's bigger than us. Mm-hmm. We don't. I don't know how that's going to. Work. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we're we're friends with a lot of our competitors, and in the tourism thing, like I was saying, it's the second largest industry in the world. You know, during the peak season, a thousand wine tours go out a day from San Francisco. Jeez, yeah. You know, and so we could grow to ten times our size and still barely be scraping this market. Mm-hmm. And so there's no need to be cutthroat or anything. And, and I found in the tourism industry in general, people are pretty supportive of one another. Yeah. And so I can see us expanding quite a bit. And But I don't see us growing our buses per se. I, I like the intimate experience of a 13 passenger bus. Mm-hmm. So we probably do more, more buses, more tours. You know, we currently have three different tours that we run once a day, but we could you know, have three buses and do those simultaneously and we can grow into other regions. There's a lot of, there's a lot of potential for growth. Yeah. I'm curious in terms of, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of the value or, or the experience that you deliver is based on, you know, the people and not only kind of their knowledge and, and capabilities, but, you know, personalities and style and cultural fit. Like, how have you found people that kind of represent the brand and the experience and the company so that you can actually expand? Have you, has it been easy? Has it been hard? Where have you found these folks? I'm always curious about how people, you know, maintain kind of culture and the feel of what it's like as they kind of bring on people and grow the company. What are your experiences so far? People in Mendocino are phenomenal. It's it's like going to paradise. Not only is it one of the most beautiful places on earth, but the people are phenomenal. I mean, they're they're supportive, they're warm. Everybody comments on it. They're struck by how friendly everybody is up there. And I think you'd think you'd get more pushback, but I'm surprised by how welcoming they have been very much to us. Yeah. Once you're in, you are in. You're your family. But but even though like they're welcoming not just in but they're welcoming the world to their door and yeah. they seem pretty open to it. Very we've had very few people kind of like give us the paranoid feeling. Everyone's like, please come bring people here. We want people here, which is very different than what we've seen other businesses experience in counties like Sonoma, which is just south of Mendocino. Mm. Yeah. There's been like a kind of a pushback from Sonoma County in regards to cannabis. But our experience with Mendocino has been extremely welcoming. Yeah. I'm curious on the on the client side, on the customer side, you know, g- given that you're you are kind of almost kind of bringing people into people's homes, uh, you know, it's a fairly intimate kind of experience that that you're you're creating. How have you kind of either filtered or made sure you you're bringing in the right clients? You know, that you're you're being respectful and kind of cultural alignment for that. Have you had any issues? Is it kind of worked out naturally? Have you had to do anything more intentionally to make sure that you you create the ex- right experience for both sides of the equation? I think there's a level of like. We haven't had problems with any cultural problems. Mm-hmm. Every everyone's been extremely respectful. The locations we go are private. They're not, I wouldn't say they're residences. They're they're uh, places of business, mm-hmm. and so and we go to public ones and private ones. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been extremely respectful. I think it's because there's a level of like your the quality of our our ticket. Our ticket price is roughly the same as that of a wine tour. It's a little more because we this is you can't do this. I mean, there's plenty of wine yeah. tour companies. There's yeah. nobody doing this. Yeah. So, uh, but it's roughly what we priced our, our ticket off of is the wine tour, is a day tour. Mm-hmm. So that being the, there's a like a price of admission that keeps people really kind of like the people that can afford to go are, yeah. are people that really are committed to this experience. Yeah. 
yeah, that makes sense. You kind of natural filters in place that uh, that do make sure you've got alignment on that, or that people people want the kind of experience that you're offering. Correct. I've certainly run into more issues in the wine. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Probably it's probably absolutely. harder on wine. Absolutely, it's easier. It's easier oh to deal God. with someone that smoked a little too much than drank a little too much. Yeah. Well, when one of the things we've been working on is with a with a, a one of our competitors is we've been working on banding together to create an overnight experience. And we and some of our tours we combine wineries. We have a woods wine and weed tour. Oh, that's going to be lovely. Yeah, and so for the so for our overnight, we're actually looking at a winery, and we said, you know, we're planning it out. We're talking to the people that ran the winery and saying, you know, we'd probably be here around four thirty in the afternoon. And he said, oh, usually we don't do tours that late because people get drunk and obnoxious by that time of day. And he said, but you've got cannabis people. We'll be happy to do 4.30 in the afternoon for your guys. So great. that right there illustrates the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm curious that, you know, the things that you see that are going to shape your sort of specific part of the industry and the industry overall there in Northern California in terms of you know, regulations, politics, uh, you know, compliance, stuff like that. What are the things that you kind of keep an eye on or that you're watching out for in terms of, you know, changes in that world that might impact how you do business or the nature of the business or, you know, operations and stuff like that? What's what's on your radar? Well, certainly looking for, for changes that I think we're going to see before too long, you know, nationally. So you can open up the banking, you can open up the advertising, all the things that we've had to do workarounds for, we're looking forward to those resolving, which I think they will within a couple of years, yeah. but it, it's getting from here to there. Yeah. So we're always keeping an eye on on regulations, but regulations seem to be moving in a way that's better for the industry. Well, I mean, it, and and kind of sideways, the latest regulation that kind of had to deal with us, which was direct, was that one about smoking on a party bus on a party bus. Oh, interesting. So last yeah, so last fall, the California legislature, along with the governor, they were like, you know what? I, it used to be that like the understanding was if there was a partition, this was just an understanding on the vehicle, especially if it's a bus, that you could consume like vaping and maybe even smoke on it. It wasn't clear. And so they were like, no, 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 we're going to make it quite clear. There is no consuming any smoked or airborne kind of product on a bus. You can drink on a bus, you know, but yeah. you cannot smoke something. So that actually, it never inconvenienced us because we never had a vehicle that had that capacity, we always tell people to... Yeah, that wasn't our model. That Party wasn't, buses our model. wasn't our thing. But yeah. we noticed that a few other tour companies definitely had to change their model hmm. because suddenly you can't consume on the vehicle. Like, very clearly, you cannot consume on the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, the little nuances that end up impacting different industries and how they operate and you know what they need to change in terms of you know whether it's the vehicles or the policies or the operational steps. Um, in terms of, I mean, you mentioned you know the national legalization. Do you imagine developing other tours in other parts of the country, cannabis or otherwise? Any expansion ambitions in your business model? God, I can't see that far ahead. (laughs) I tend to be the one who looks off into the distant future. I would say we've got a lot here in our wheelhouse of Northern California to deal with before we venture anywhere else. There's so much opportunity here. I mean, we barely scratch the surface of, of what's available in the Emerald Triangle. We take people in to Mendocino because that's what we can do in a day trip. But, you know, we thought about expanding into overnights where you spend the night on a cannabis farm and sit around the fire with music and getting high and going out to the beautiful Mendocino coast or up to Humboldt County. And there's also lots of new businesses kind of popping up around. You probably heard of Airbnbs, like they're called weed B&Bs, where you just go out to 
somebody's uh, land, you know, that they just, they'll, I mean, they'll just let you stay on their land and they probably grow in their backyard. You can go hang out there, smoke all you want, probably with the, the grower. Yeah. Uh, those experiences are starting to grow. And considering we are a tour company, we'll probably start interfacing with them as well. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I think more, more and more connections with more and more parallel industries that will probably start accumulating as we keep doing this. Yeah, yeah we, can, we can expand a lot without leaving this region at all. Yeah, a lot of opportunity there. You, you don't need to travel far to, to see growth opportunity. Makes sense. Any Absolutely. recommendations or advice or insights that you would give to other folks that, particularly folks that are in kind of these adjacent you know industries and are thinking about adding a sort of a cannabis component or pivoting into cannabis, as I like to say, any thoughts, pieces of advice that you give them either to do it, to not do it, <laughs> you know, to think about before they do it based on your learnings and in, in your business? Well, I think anything where you're a new adopter, there are advantages and disadvantages. I think anybody new getting into it, don't think that just because you're cannabis adjacent, you're going to avoid all the pitfalls that cannabis companies are running into because we we thought yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but you figure out workarounds. You have to be nimble. You have to be nimble in your idea of how you get around these things. Any obstacle is just is just something to overcome. It's not a stop. It's not a hard stop. Yeah. So I think it's worthwhile. I think the more that we expand and reach out and connect, combine other industries and connect other industries, the less of a stigma you have, the more socially acceptable it becomes, the more mainstream it becomes, you know, it, it demystifies it and it, it makes it more acceptable. So I, I would encourage anybody to get into it. Just be aware that being a first adopter of anything, you're going to have to be nimble and think outside the box. Yeah. No, well spoken. Misha, Chris, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about NorCal Tour Company, what's the best way to get that information? So I think we're going to kind of steer you toward the Mendocino Experience uh, branch of brand of our company. Okay. So uh, you can go to our website at uh, www.mendoexperience.com, M-E-N-D-O. Same could be said with our Instagram is at Mendo Experience. And um, there's a cornucopia of information on our website. And uh, you can just view the lovely party that we have every day every time we go out um and uh we've got a facebook page we have a twitter we never check we just broadcast on twitter <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, well i'll make sure that the uh the website the uh, instagram and the facebook are on the show notes so people can can click through and and get that I, i'm fascinated i will certainly come and do a tour the next time in uh in the area um, uh, you yeah. i think it's just it's a it's a great part of this business uh this industry or you know with the kind of the tourism side. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite fascinated by what you're doing and I appreciate the time today. It's been a great conversation. It's been great talking to you, Bruce. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. We look forward to seeing you on our tour. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.